millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We had a bit of a conversation as yes, always. Yes, we covered quite a lot of ground. Hugh Woosencroft joined us uh, from um, Andorra. He'd had a bit of a nightmare, I think it was <laughs> fair to say. And he, he, Definitely. Talk, he talked us uh, through, all that, through all that. Chris Patterson, the former Scotland uh, rugby player, joined us. We looked at the world of colour blindness in sport, didn't we? Yeah. Plus, Martin Kellner with the uh, week of sport on TV and more. And Mike Ward with his non-sporting telly. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Yes, good afternoon, Paul. And contrary to the uh, that, uh, public belief, that 10-place grid penalty for Lewis Hamilton has nothing to do with his engine. It's, it's, it's that outfit. It's he's the wearing. kilt he was wearing. <laughs> yeah. No, he said, I mean, he was very... I've read a little interview with him today, and he was saying, look, I know this look is not for everybody. Some people may wish to open their minds... Some people may not like much like well, yourself. I'm Andy. a very big you're, fashionista. You are a big fashionista. <laughs> Excuse but, me. So why don't you in, why because, don't you indulge Jensen in in, in the no, look? Not Jensen. Oh, Lewis. Jensen Lewis. I yeah. do apologise. Excuse me. Can I it's put the cough button on me? Okay. <laughs> did it? Did it catch up? Yeah, well, it never work. works anyway. I think they heard it? it in the street. Oh yeah, never works. And uh, no, the thing is, he is Britain's worst dressed man, but he likes oh, that. Well, he is. He's uh, honestly. He's the sort of customer... I mean, I was in menswear, so I know about yeah, this. Not the band, I hasten no. to point out. <laughs> that when you'd love customers like Lewis, because basically you'd come in and you'd think, what rubbish have we not been able to sell? Let's stickers, you used to call them stickers, stickers didn't Let's you? give them to Lewis. Go and get those kilts out the back. I mean, he had a sort of Marilyn Monroe incident, wardrobe malfunction. Oh, did he? Yeah, the, the wind oh. flew up his skirt. Oh, OK. He had a trouser on underneath Well, he had a trouser on, he yeah. tremendous. Well, did you call right. it a trouser in the shop? Did you used to say... <laughs> a trouser. Come over here, sir, I've got a lovely... <laughs> that tie... A lovely trouser to go with that. What are you, 32 waist? Something I bet like you were that. like that. I was something like that. Very yeah, much yeah. in that mould. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, oh, a, yeah, lot of, a lot of love around Newcastle, mm. of course, for the oh, new yes. regime. They all descended uh, mm. yesterday on uh, St James's Park uh, and celebrated. Fans and, are so funny, aren't they? We're well, all the same. They couldn't care less where the money comes from or the morals of it or whatsoever. But the number you know. of them did don uh, Arab headdress as a... As yeah, a, 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 well, it's the right colours. A nod. Well, yes. <laughs> many of them had got those sort of scarves you buy on a Moroccan holiday and put a bit of string around them. But there's a, a lot of Geordie mums uh, waking up this morning saying... 
Where's my tea towel gone? <laughs> there was one picture of a bloke on the front of the, the Telegraph. It's it's a it's a Tesco's tea towel, which is done, <laughs> really and he's nice. put a bit of string round it. So it's great that so many Geordies improvised uh, earlier on today. So, it is interesting because it's yeah. not like when Abramovich came in in two thousand and three four. It's not like Mansoor in two thousand and eight when it was. It's much much harder to do this now. And although Ashley, in a certain sense, has left the club in a good state that they can spend, they've got money. Financially, yeah. You know, it's not easy to attract players. And I'm interested in her quote. She said, we have the same ambitions as Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City in terms of trophies. Two clubs who've spent billions and haven't won the Champions League. Yeah. You know, they've got three £200 million forwards up front. You know, so it takes time. Obviously, they're going to do a lot better than they've been doing. And Mm. they need money and and it will help. She did say that. She did say it's not going to be a quick fix. No, it isn't. Craig Hope's going to join us Mm. to chat about that very shortly. So maybe if you've uh, um, just fashioned if, if you like, as we've kicked off in the world of fashion, whether it's tea towels mm. outside St James's Park or kilts in Turkey is uh, before you drive in F1. Uh, do let us know if you've improvised in the fashion. How it, did it come off? Did you have to improvise in the fashion stakes? Maybe an emergency breakage? Um, <laughs> whatever it was that got you improvising from a fashion point of view, much like the the, new, the Geordie Nation, talksport.com forward slash H&J, text to 81089, tweet to TS. H and J. Occasionally, people send us in. I know you're going to love this. Okay. People send us in uh, books. They like to send us. In. Maybe we might want to speak to them on the show or in yeah. the studio well, sort about of their books. Thing, yeah. yeah, this is a, no. This is a self-published book uh, by someone called Simon, oh, yeah. um, and he kicks it off with this lovely letter to us, mm. dear Paul and Ian. <laughs> oh well, no, that's it. It gets better. Yeah. Well, it's my second name. Dear Paul, okay, he's got he intimate knowledge of me. I don't think he has, <laughs> because he goes on to say, Good day to you both. Let me say this first, for I'm an honest soul. I have never heard of either of you, yeah, nor have I ever listened to Talksport. <laughs> Doing well so far, isn't it? I wonder if he's got his own PR company, old Ian. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it goes on. He's written a book that looks drier than parchment, and so I, d- I don't. I, I, for many, will he, will he darken our door? For many reasons, <laughs> I don't think we'll be spending a lot of time with each other. But um, yeah, I just thought, what a way to mm. get get yourself on side with well, somebody. It's good, isn't We've it? got a clip of the week later on of uh, one of the presenters <laughs> getting on side with a guest. But uh, perfect ways that someone tried to get on side with you. I've mentioned it before. I was telling the producer earlier on in, in ninety minutes magazine. We used to have letter of the week, and I think it might. Have been Mizuno, the boot company, gave us a nice pair of boots, the letter of the week, oh, yeah, yeah. you know. So um, people would write in. <laughs> still and, paying out. Yeah, so. still paying out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, they, this bloke wrote in, he said, I hate 90 minutes, there's a load of rubbish, you're biased. He probably thought we hated Manchester United or Liverpool, insert your own team there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was this real hatchet job. Yeah. Um, but then at the end of it, he put sort of Dave in hull, brackets, size nine. <laughs> Thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll let them know because I might win the letter of the week. But uh, anyway, uh, trying to get people on side, whether it's in print or verbally, uh, let us know your stories this afternoon. But yeah, sorry, Ian. Um, well, si- shame, sorry, Simon, we won't be. There we are. <coughs> That's it going in. One the bloke bin. who did write in about us uh, it was Steve in London. He wrote oh, to the Daily oh, Star Steve, last yeah, week. Yeah. He said, Hawksby and Jacobs. Hawksby. That's how he spells your name. Interviewing a rapper and playing his new single. Yeah. 
Uh, it's TalkSport, not Radio 1 Extra. I switched off, he said. Oh, OK. I'm disappointed, Steve, to hear that you've gone. There was a football <laughs> element to our chat. There normally is. We always yeah. bring it back to sport. He was sport. a rugby player, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. of course he was. He played He played professional rugby, for goodness sake. So there was a pretty sound reason why we did it. But, you know, mm. you're not going to please anybody. Mm. Certainly, no, no. certainly not in the star. Yeah, a couple of quick ones. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Chelsea mm. have got... I was watching the women's uh, football. The, oh, yeah. Chelsea versus... Women's Champions League is, for me, it's the highest standard of women's football it's really good and um, Chelsea have got a player called Melanie Loopholes I hope she had a good look at her contract <laughs> yeah imagine her agent be fantastic it's wouldn't it yeah. Isn't it yeah and um, subsection 3 well I think you'll find you can't hold me to that because my name is Melanie Loopholes and I, I met a bloke yesterday who said to me I've got a house in Cheltenham so I said, oh, yeah, I always go for the festival. He we went, literary? I went, no, racing. <laughs> literary. <laughs> literary, yeah. Yeah, of I can't see you at the literary festival. <laughs> Not really, We'll no. probably meet Simon there, the one who's never heard of us. <laughs> Has never listened to talk sport. And uh, Charlie uh, Baker, of course, is commentating tomorrow. I'm sure you know about this. Oh, he yeah, of course. We spoke to Gary Johnson. We got him on the show. And, yeah. Um, because Charlie did say at one point, um, if we've lost 5-0, is it all right for mm. me to say to Gary, Gary, do you want to cuddle? <laughs> well, you can't be cuddling the manager who's just been beaten, even if you like him. You know, you can't do that. It's not very professional. So I sent Charlie a note saying to him, well, congratulations, I said, but this is the man you, you've got your role model. Mm. And, of course, it was the late, great Dave Higson. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Bolton Club commentator. Ding dong do. He, he was, was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a brilliant tribute to him online. So I sent Charlie the link for that. Oh, yeah. He should enjoy You had him on, mm. you talked about him on Fantasy Football Day. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, we Back did. We did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my son asked me, because there's been a lot of stuff about Salt Bay, you know, the restaurant. Yeah, in nice beach. And uh, my son said to me, Would I like to go there for my birthday that's coming up? Wow. I said, No, thanks. It'd be like being in an episode of The Only Way is Essex. <laughs> Honestly, the <laughs> yeah. crowd. Not my crowd. Uh, Gemma Collins was there, though. With yeah, the GC, she was shocked. <coughs> she shocked was shocked at the prices, the prices yeah. wasn't she? I mean, how can you go there, want to go there, and not know what it costs? Because yeah. that is the thing about it. You know, but it was money well spent from her point of view, so it's like PR costs. Yeah, that's right. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Aussie swimmer Chloe McArdle uh, will basically swim the channel. Uh, she's swimming the channel for the 43rd time. Wow. And then on Saturday, she hopes to become the uh, first woman to swim it 44 times. Wow. It's a point. <laughs> we get the idea. You can swim the channel. Well okay. done. Well, it's all about, uh, you know, you against the elements, isn't it? Yeah, Andy? once. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> Not 44 times. Do the just, same thing over and over again. Maybe she likes the smell of goose grease. I don't know. <laughs> What's I haven't got a clue. Uh, we love a hole-in-one story on the show, oh, yeah, Andy. We, we do. do, over the years. This is a new one. This is uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ferret, his name is. <laughs> is he? Did you have to dig deep for it? Yeah, Mark Ferret. Um, he, yes, he waited 30 years to get a hole in one. Really? Uh, you think he calls himself Ferret? I think he probably, probably does. does. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing him down your trousers, do you? Ferret. Um, Mark, Mark Ferret, that's right. Um, he's waited more than 30 years mm. to get a hole in one. And then he got two in consecutive rounds. It's a real staple of the newspapers, the hole in one story. He did it uh, in a club just outside of uh, Canterbury and we would have got him on but it would have involved me or you saying the words Kent countryside and I wasn't prepared to do that uh, on on live national radio so we didn't get him on but well That's done a shame. That's well good done. for him. Did you see that there's uh, Britain faces a pasta shortage uh, due to a bad harvest and it says here it says a report in the paper that penne spaghetti and macaroni have been particularly hit. What about tagliatelle is that all right? There's loads of it. There's lorries of it. There's some people are running their cars on Tagliatelle Talk at the moment. correspondent Adrian Durham-Wheat. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Come on. No, let's not. Let's not have your pasta-based footballers. Uh, we are interested, uh, though, in um, not your fashion fox passes, but certainly um, uh, emergency moves in the world of fashion or improvising in the world of fashion, whether it's even in fancy dress. Do let us know. Talksport.com. Text 81089. Tweet TSH&J. A number of Newcastle fans. Uh, I talk loads of young lads outside the ground yesterday mm. on TV. Nick, their mum's tea towels. Yeah, it's got just a tea towel and a bit of string, <laughs> yeah, and brilliant. they just rocked up at St James's Park. So, uh, so can I just say I'm not queuing up for fettuccine? <laughs> no, I, don't, I wouldn't expect you to, Andy. I think that would be Petrol's a one thing. That would be a dumb move. People fighting each other. You jump the queue. Yeah. That sounds like a bit of a mad story. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We talk about colour blindness in sport. It's a, it, mm. it, it does pop up on occasion when there's a, a bad kick clash in a big fixture. Um, the colour blind community are up in arms, and mm. I count myself. I, I don't know if I've told you this before. Among them, I, yes, I know. Yeah. I was I was diagnosed at school, and uh, it was that thing that they I've subsequently discovered is called the Ishihara test. But we'll remember it, kids, as that big book they bring you up with loads of dots in it, and then mm. someone would say, "What number is that?" And I said. 
are you talking about? It's <laughs> just a load of dots. And yeah. I was, um, so yes, I, I mean, it's not particularly severe, but it, it causes issues, you know. I think the surprising thing about it is how common it is. Yeah, because you know, Richard Keyes used to go on about this a lot, and he had a thing about it. And actually, it turns out that really, yeah, quite a lot of people do suffer. From this. Well, some sports like the NFL uh, are, are sort of alive to this and make sure that at least one team is predominantly in white, so so you can tell the difference. Now, World Rugby has stepped up and said uh, in games like Wales and Ireland, where you've got that red green, the most common issue around colour blindness, mm. they will deal with that. Um, and it affects the players as well. And Chris Patterson, the former Scotland player, um, is colourblind and he joins us now. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon, guys. I also remember those books, Paul. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, it was just that the collage of, you know, different coloured dots, wasn't it? it was, and you were asked, what do you see? And it was, it was you, I knew before too long it was a number you were meant to see, but... When I said to the lady or the nurse that the first thing I saw was a kettle, I think they knew there was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a class. I think I had a classmate in there, or this, and they were saying that six. Can't you see that sixteen? I said I can't see anything. Yeah. I just and that was yeah. the that was the moment when I realised that I had this issue. We didn't have books in our school. Yeah, I'm sure they did. It was, it was all basically yeah. It was all done by the venerable bead. It was all on parchment, Andy. Wasn't it? But yeah, and and from that point, then you knew and. And was it an issue when you played sport when you first started playing rugby when you were young? Not really. No, not really. I think, I think in all honesty, it's, uh, I mean, it's never held me back. It's never no. hindered me. I've never, you know, everyone will have different levels of it. But um, it's something I've experienced more as I've gotten older. But certainly as a player, I didn't really have too much, too much experience of it being a hindrance. You know, sometimes if it was too, we quite often for Edinburgh, we'd play in a black shirt against a, you know, a dark red or the Scarlets or a Munster. And in a nighttime game, it would be hard when you're scanning and you're looking for space. But there was nothing overtly, you know, uh, dangerous about it, really. It just sometimes caught you up. Well, what it did trip me up was training drills. Uh, if there was a red cone laid out, they had to run to the red cone. You couldn't see it on the grass <laughs> for, for love nor money. And, um, but, yeah, there, there was, there was again, as you say, quite popular. There was two or three players that, that I played alongside that, yeah, obviously couldn't see the red cone either because we all ended up in the wrong place. I think you know traditionists will say, "Well, we love to see the, the countries wear the colours we know that they wear." But I don't see the problem if international rugby decides to make the away team wear a white, like the NFL, a white version of the kit. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the world rugby um, the guides had said I think it was about eight percent of the male audience suffer from it, less than one percent of females. Um, but I must admit, it didn't really affect me so much as a player. But when I watch on TV or I'm involved in some co-commentary now and you're watching on a monitor and it can be quite confusing. It was, I think it's harder as a spectator than it is for a player. As a player, you know your structures, you obviously know your teammates and you you quite often know what should happen before it happens, so you're, you're totally in tune with it. But as a spectator and such a, a big audience, big you know, percentage of your audience is 8%, really, it's affecting quite a lot of people. So I think it's sensible and, and I think, um, you know, I think it, it's welcome. You know... Whatever, whatever team you play for, you're playing for the badge, you're playing for the fans, you're playing for, you know, for the, the, the love of it. Um, and sometimes the colour you wear, like maybe, maybe it affects some people, but I think the, you play for the badge no matter what, what colour the shirt is. The, one of the joys of admitting you're colourblind to anybody, Chris, is that the, you say, oh, I'm colourblind, and there's a pause, and they say, what right, colour's what that? Colour's that? <laughs> oh, and you say, well, it, it's a post box. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going red. Unless, they, unless they've won an Olympic gold medal, I think I'm on fairly safe ground. But people just, and they come up with the same sort of stuff. And oh, yeah, you must be great when you're watching the snooker. It's, uh, it's, it sounds like <laughs> yeah, the first time they've ever been yeah. said. 
Uh, yeah, well, I remember playing snooker as a as a, a kid. We had a snooker table at the house. My older brother would we would come up with this agreement. They chalk on the brown ball, uh, so mm. distinguished from other reds. Of course, as soon as I turned my back, that chalk was rubbed off and it was put in another red. And he he usually won, but um, no, it, it's true. It's true. And I remember playing. A, I was involved in a game at Petodre, an international actually. Um, and the, the it was a bit of snow and the pitch was to you know sweep the lines and the groundsman decided to paint the lines red to distinguish it um you know from from the, the kind of snow covered pitch but i think myself and mike blair who's now edinburgh head coach former scotland assistant coach was the same and, and he said listen i've got as much chance of seeing the, the white line in the snow as i do <laughs> as the red line in <laughs> the green yeah. it's uh I, I mean, it's it's just it's it's quite you know it's good fun at times but obviously there'll be people with, with a much more serious diagnosis that uh, that hopefully can enjoy the games if it does disrupt their view at the moment can yeah. enjoy the games as, as much in the future some people had issues with the the, the lions tour recent lions tour with yeah. the, the darker green of that of that south african kit and the and the red of the lions I had an issue with it, the way the lions played in the yes <laughs> probably probably just as well yeah that's very true but it's great that the sport has taken it on and because i said as andy said richard keys would often rail against it in the world of football saying you know why why have you, why have you got those kits it's so you know people who are mm. colorblind are really going to struggle with that and and it's a fair point i think I think it is, and I think it just shows the progression in, in, in rugby and from world rugby. It's again, I mean, we all remember the, the famous grey shirts. That's maybe not a colourblind issue, but a, a visual issue, really, mm. for, for mm. the famous teams who've played in grey and um, you know had had excuses, let's say, in the past. So, but I think you know it is, it is a it is a condition that some people struggle with, and it can if we can eradicate it from being an issue to help the uh, I suppose the the fun of the spectator, the enjoyment of the spectators, then it can only be a good thing. Good stuff. Well, Chris, um, good to talk to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Chris Patterson there, the former uh, mm. Scotland international rugby player. And, uh, yeah, well done to world, world Rugby, stepping up and doing something about it. I didn't realise at the NFL, until I read mm. a piece recently, that they do that. They, yeah. That's the reason why. I didn't realise that was the reason It's why, around colourblindness, yeah. but they always make sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Good for shirt sales as well. It, it, certainly, it certainly is. And actually, a, a white sort of reverse version of your home kit is so much better than some of these kits that we've got this season. Some of the third kits are really yeah. terrible. Lewis would like them. Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, it's you normally get one outlandish kit. I mean, my lot, Tottenham, we've got mm. two fairly outlandish kits. The second kit, which has proved very mm. popular, it's sold out time after time, but people... It's a good win by like Spurs them. the other day, and I was thinking, it's funny how football's perceived. I mean, you know, all our Spurs are struggling, they're a terrible start, and Chelsea, like Chelsea are winning. There's four points between the teams. Mm, yeah. So it's just nothing. You know, it, it's really quite it is amazing. Yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was it a is. big win for them. They needed that third goal to be comfortable, because you always felt Villa could come again. But, but it was uh, a good win, and uh, yeah. I was reading about, you, there's a shortage of natural gas, I'm sure you've seen this, and uh, I, I was reading about Gazprom. They supply 35% of Europe's national natural gas, rather. Yeah. Why do they need to advertise on the Champions League? <laughs> so they can go anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, yeah you often wonder that. See, I've got to get myself some of that Gazprom. Where can I mean, you know, we'll have to Gazprom, as Alan would call them, no doubt. Alan uh, features, you'd be surprised here in the it's clips of the strange, week. Isn't it? This week, we've got some good ones for you, so stick around if you can mm. until 3 30. Um, slight change of plan. We are struggling to get through to uh, Tim Witherspoon. I suppose it's about seven o'clock in the morning. There's six. Tim was, I take it he's still in bed. We can't rouse him. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be the one who rouses him. I'm going to send Clark, he start banging on his door and he gets him by the throat. It wouldn't be ideal preparation for the fight, would it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
Tomorrow evening uh, here on TalkSport, we will bring you Andorra versus England. Uh, Adrian Durham is your, your host. Jim Proudfoot, Stuart Pearson, Sol Campbell, your commentary team. Hugh Woosencroft will be catching up with the gaffer and the players uh, bef- uh, after the match. Uh, he is out and about in Andorra and he joins us now. Hi, Hugh. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I was interested in how many England fans have been able to travel and how easy has it been for them to travel for this one? No, I haven't seen any England fans as yet, but I I have spoken to some before I left who are going to come in, I think, either late Friday night or early Saturday morning. I think one of the the main reasons is you can't come directly to Andorra. I had to land in Barcelona and get a coach for three hours through the mountains to get to Andorra. Um, Now, a lot of football fans are taking the time to spend the weekend in Barcelona, get the coach to the the game and then go back to Barcelona. So I don't know if we will see that many fans in Andorra until Mm. the day of the game. It's supposed to be a beautiful place, isn't it? It is absolutely beautiful yeah we're in andorra la valle it's basically as it as it sounds in a valley mountains either side of the pitch that england will be playing on it's uh, incredible views woke up first thing this morning to see the sun sort of rising over the, the mountain tops unbelievable spectacular views here I mean, it's got the same population as harrogate but it's a very wealthy place due to the tourism summer and uh, winter ski seasons here so um so, yeah, it's a very, very nice place to be. And I've got to tell you guys, though, I've had an absolute nightmare since I've got here. Everything mm-hmm. that could go wrong for me has gone wrong for me. I, I got off the plane at Barcelona. It was so hot when I arrived. I had a coat on in the UK. That's how cold I was. Put my coat in my luggage, got into a taxi. Just keep that in mind. Put my coat into my luggage, got into a taxi. I booked the coach, 16-minute journey from the airport to the bus station, not when I arrived, an hour of total gridlock traffic, missed the bus, had to wait two hours for another bus. Uh, But when I got out of my taxi, having gone to another bus station, I put my hand in my pocket for my wallet and realized that not only had I put it back into my suitcase, but I'd padlocked my wallet and all of my money inside of my suitcase. I then had to run around to try and find a hardware shop. They cut the padlock off, paid the very angry taxi driver uh, who had got me there and waited. So thankfully that was okay. Took the three hours, having waited two hours for the second bus, up to the Andorran mountains, arrived at the hotel. They didn't have a reservation for me. We're talking 1 a.m. now, I'm fuming, standing there, waiting to try and check into the hotel. They managed to sort it for me, but, I actually left a piece of in the back of the taxi, having rushed so much to unlock my bag. I'd actually... Oh no! I want to hear what happened. I oh, know. I'm, I'm getting into the story. I don't know why he's moaning. At least he's actually in Andorra. He want to try being when we went to Dortmund and say 50 <laughs> miles away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your sport travel well, agency. Like, now, then his equipment broke down <laughs> to make it to make it even worse. I, I think mean, the batteries are in that suitcase he left in the uh, in the. He's yeah. back. Hugh, you left us. You on tenox. Oh, what you happened? Said, you said you'd left another bit of luggage in the taxi. Is that what you were saying? You were breaking yeah, up. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd left an extra piece of equipment oh, in the taxi right. when I was hurried out by the very angry taxi driver. I'd actually forgot a piece of kit, which I had to wake up first thing this morning to go and replace. So, oh. as I say, from one disaster to the next, let's hope England don't lose. No, well, that's they're not that, going to. That's Let's be honest. You mentioned Harrogate. <laughs> I think Harrogate had more of a chance <laughs> against England. <laughs> well, it's a difficult one, this, isn't it? Because, you know, these teams shouldn't really be in a group with England. Well, There's no 
point to it. That's What's another debate, Andy. That is well, another it debate. It's a, I mean, I, I don't agree with Arsene Wenger's twice <laughs> World Cup every week, but yeah. I do think that you know he's got a point. Some of these fixtures, some of these games, it's unedifying. What's the point of this match? The only way Andorra can do anything is just to sit back and try and hope for a one-nil defeat or something yeah. like that. They've the not best been letting thing. a lot of goals in at their no, that's place. That's probably the best they'll get. But, but um, it doesn't make for a great spectacle. But it's going to be a very different team. It's on a plastic pitch. I think they're saving some some knees of certain players, including Harry Kane. So it's, it's going to be what will make it interesting is a, maybe a, a slightly more makeshift England side. Uh, absolutely. In fact, Gareth Southgate was asked about Harry Kane, whether he would hold him back. He did say all the players were available. Remember, Harry Kane actually played a surprising half an hour against Andorra and scored in early September when they played at Wembley. So maybe we will see him, certainly not from the start tomorrow. We, he was asked about Ollie Watkins and Tammy Abraham, two of the forwards drafted into this squad as well. We'd expect to see one of those start the game. Um, in particular, when, it, when he was speaking about Tammy Abraham, he was asked about him being an academy player, leaving Chelsea, going to Serie A with Roma, of course. He says, when you're at a club that you've come out of the academy, you're always going to be viewed as a young player. Maybe when a club buys you, though, that role changes and the player feels more of a, a, a need to impress, if you like. He also talks about the fact that Tammy needs a little bit of extra movement because the marking is so tight in Serie A. So he, he thinks he will score goals for England. I imagine he will start tomorrow. So he's one to look out for. Definitely, I'm pleased for him as well. I mean, the same with Tomori, really. It's it, it's difficult for Chelsea. They can't keep everybody, but those are two that I think will definitely uh, you know go on and have great careers. Yeah. You mentioned the artificial pitch there, and if you think about this again, you know, mm. you can't even have an artificial pitch if you're in League Two, can you? So why should you be able to play an international football match on it? And these players, you know, if somebody, God forbid, gets injured, you know, because of the pitch, it'll be a disaster, won't it? I mean, I feel the same. I, I think there are certain occasions where you need an artificial pitch. If it's the depth of winter in Russia, it's very, you know, it, it's maybe prudent. Hmm. But here it is. It's absolutely beautiful weather here. I mean, it couldn't be more perfect. Uh, interestingly, Kieran Trippier, who will captain the team tomorrow, was asked about it. He says he's played on all different types of pitches. Not going to be a concern for the players whatsoever. Gareth Southgate says his main focus is, is on getting the players to keep the ball down. He says it won't be an issue if they keep the ball down any he also pointed to the fact that they've played on, on lots of bad grass pitches. You know, he's saying that they've played against teams that have kept the grass as long as possible to try and harm England's passing game. And I think he almost alluded to the fact he prefers this. Well, Hugh, I think you should just hunker down in your hotel room and not leave. It sounds like it's, it's not going well. But anyway, enjoy it and uh, we will catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. We're seeing some images on Sky Sports at the moment. We seem to be coming from the stadium where England will be playing Andorra tomorrow. And the dugout seems to be on fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know if Hugh's been down there. That piece of, he, he sounds like he's been such a Jonah um, that he's probably plugged his box into broadcast and it's caught fire. So uh, anyway, we'll bring you more on yeah, that that's in, amazing. in a moment. But they're live pictures and there is... Um, that's I mean, quite, quite, quite seriously, yeah, it's, serious. it's a that's fire a, by one of affect, the. That could affect the game. Yeah, yeah, it's a fire by one of the stands. I mean, everybody's okay. It, it's a kind of localized fire if it at the moment. Spreads the artificial pitch though, a little bit. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. 
Strange. Um, Martin Kellner brings us a week of sport on TV. Good afternoon. Let's hope you're on fire, Martin, in the next, oh, fi- absolutely the next 15 minutes. What a great yeah, segue. Always, that was. Always. What a perfect yeah. radio segue there. And on fire himself. <laughs> always on fire. It's Martin <laughs> Kellner. Uh, yeah, yeah oh, fantastic. Martin. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it reminded yeah. me of my days on Radio 2 many, many years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was excellent. Um, yes, I will be on fire because I've got brand new uh, fibre broadband coming in through my window. So I've got uh, two Through the mates. window? Oh, is it coming in? Is it like a well, cable? I, I'm in a sort of conservatory type thing, mm. and it's a, yeah, it's a huge cable, and it's uh, attached to my laptop, and it's oh. 200 megs. Oh, I know you're talking. Megs. That. You should be. That's why you clear. sound so good. Yeah, yeah, mm. so that's brilliant. I, I, I'm just, I'm just happy not to talk about anything, just to feel those megs. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I've been watching the uh, Schumacher documentary on Netflix. Mm. You know, uh, keenly mm. uh, anticipated this one, and uh, very good. It's uh, an hour and 52 minutes long. Um, all the publicity, the pre-publicity in the papers was sort of about uh, Schumacher's skiing accidents, obviously, you know, his current condition and all that. But there's very little of that in the documentary, which I think will be... Well, in a way, it was sort of false advertising, if you like, because mm. uh, it did... When you look at the terrible situation uh, the Schumacher uh, family are in at the moment, uh, you think a wee bit more about that, but they're very private and they keep most of that private in the documentary. Mm. However, mm. the Schumacher story in itself is uh, pretty fantastic. You know, he was the... Uh, when the you know the top drivers were people like uh, Senna and, uh, uh, you know, Mansell and those sort of people mm. in that era, um, he was the new driver, the, you know, the new one. He came up very young at the time. First Grand Prix was um, the... Uh, uh, at Spa in Belgium, 1991, Senna, Mansell, Frost. They all looked very suspiciously at... Um, you know, you sometimes don't realise that the rivalries that go on, and we mm. know about the famous ones, and they've been uh, they've been captured on film as well, you know, on feature films. Uh, I didn't realise Senna and uh, Schumacher disliked each other so much. Yeah. Um, he had run-ins with most. I mean, he had run-ins yeah, at times did, with yes. David Coulthard, didn't he? he, did. he did. Later on and stuff. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's probably the nature of driving fast cars into each other. I suppose. I think it is. <laughs> I was just thinking that you know, when, when sometimes you're on the motorway and you you sort of your mind wanders a bit. Mm. Uh, Maybe it's just me, but your mind wanders a bit, and you're sitting there in the middle lane, and then somebody. Oh, sort it's of you, is it? In the middle lane. I've wondered what to do. It was. <laughs> so somebody goes past you, you know, and you exchange uh, looks, if you like. Mm. Well, if you're in a car that's tra- travelling at 200 miles an hour, of course, it's going to be uh, those rivalries are going to be um, more, you know, more liable to, uh, well, to be entertaining for one thing, uh, and I suppose it, in a way it's what makes it, but also uh, there could be more dangerous uh if you like hmm. um but yeah so it, there's a lot of stuff with uh with schumacher's father rolf who's the jolliest guy i've ever seen he's oh. uh you could imagine him in a in, you know in a pair of lederhosen in a beer can uh, somewhere yeah is it you in, could you've got central casting have you for rolf <laughs> indeed <Yeah>. indeed <laughs> um very jolly man and uh, obviously you know he talks about how um, how, how Michael Schumacher, his, you know, it's his big dream to win a to win a championship, and he went the route of uh, go karting, etc., Formula Three, and uh, up from there. Um, great stuff about uh, when he won his first world championship, October two thousand uh, for uh, Ferrari, and uh, and when he first qualifies, he had an interesting quote from because there are loads of interviews, obviously, over. 
over the years. So there's lots of archive interviews. And uh, Michael Schumacher saying that uh, uh, I think he qualified seventh and they went for a, a pizza himself and his manager, Willy Weber. They, they went out for a, for a pizza. He said, we sat there, um, ate a pizza, undisturbed. And that was the last time in my life I could ever go out and eat a meal undisturbed. And, you know, you yeah. sort of forget a bit about that, uh, you know, that bit of it. Interesting quotes from James Allen, uh, who's talking about how young and new and fresh and exciting Michael Schumacher was. He says that you could see the confidence. The skin was very tight on his face. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, I think, well, he's talking about youth, I suppose. Yeah. You, know, mm. you know, when you get to our age, uh, it's sort of less tight on it your slackens. face. It slackens. It slackens a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does slacken. Mine yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Everything I'm, does. I'm looking at Andy's Everything looking does. very slack. I'm very slack. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's not. But uh, yeah, so uh, hi, if you're a Formula One fan, obviously, if you're not a Formula One fan, you couldn't care less. But if you are a Formula One fan, uh, well worth watching. It's yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you make there, Martin, because sometimes with sports documentaries, especially the Thirty for Thirty series, I'm often not particularly interested in the sport, but it's the human story that sort of attracts you to sports documentaries. I think. Mm, yeah. yeah, and of course, the, the, the human story is obviously there because we all know what, uh, even though it's not heavily uh, featured in the documentary, we all know what happened to uh, Michael Schumacher. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fascinating story. Just want to update the listeners before we carry on to what's going on at the Andorra Stadium. I'm, I'm seeing a few tweets from journalists, including our old mate John Cross from the Mirror, who's there. He's got a pretty decent picture of it. They're obviously there for a press conference. It's the broadcast. It could have been Hugh. It's the broadcast gantry that's actually really? on fire. And it looks like it's sustained a fair bit of damage. I mean, quite seriously. Um... We'll have to see what happens, but uh, yeah, it is the broadcast gantry. It looks like they've got it under a bit more control from the live pictures. But anyway, we'll bring you more on that. Let's um, let's hope we can get the, they can get the game on and find a way around look, it. I doubt whether it would affect the game. It looks like. Well, they got, where are they going to put the cameras? I mean, it all looked a bit makeshift as it was. Mm. So anyway. Um, what else have we been watching this week, Mark? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if you want me to cover it off tube, I've got 200 megs here. So, oh, I know you can, yeah, you can so probably yeah, broadcast quality. <laughs> yes. Um, I watched the little uh, feature on Sky uh, documentaries about Juninho, and you sometimes forget how brilliant Juninho, Juninho was. Oh, yeah. And you could watch that a million times. Uh, Brian Robson, obviously, manager there in the in the late 90s, brought him to the, uh, the Cellnet Riverside Stadium. Yeah. My uh, mobile phone used to be Cellnet, as we've been talking about technology, but that's by the by. Um, yeah, so they brought him to uh, to Middlesbrough, which, of course, is a story in itself. Um, after he saw Brazil win the Umbro Cup, if anybody remembers that, mm. uh, mm. and uh, obviously thought, well, this is a great play, he'll do great things for us. Um, he, his toes used to get frozen, apparently, and he put newspapers in his boots, um, and also, oh, really? put, yeah, that <laughs> was his one. main his main problem with Middlesbrough. You know, he oh, had right. to put the, the newspapers to keep his, his toes uh, supple uh, and brought his whole family. I mean, the, the story is one sports he, pages. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. He, yes, I'm trying to think what the paper is up there. I used to know it. Wasn't the, the pink uh, and was it? No, was it? Was it the, uh, no, it wasn't. Was it well, no, it was after he finished. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, his whole family came over with him as well, his mother and father, because he was about 19 in mm. those days. Uh, and then, of course, it led to them signing Emerson, Ravinelli, um, and then they got 
dropped three points and uh, and went down. But you know, while it lasted, it was a fantastic uh, story. It's yeah. on Sky Documentaries, and it's worth um, having a look at. It's only about like twenty five minutes or half an hour. Go check it out. So yeah, I mean, it's just so good to see that. And uh, you know, given <clears> where Middlesbrough are these days, <clears> um, it's quite good to see. The other, the, just just the other thing before yeah. I go, I may have given the impression that <clears> Fever Pitch on the BBC yeah. was sort of a little bit lacking, and it was lacking in terms of it didn't have the narrative that it promised you know mm. looking at the yeah. uh, you know the start of the premier league etc etc and a lot of it was just about manchester united uh, fighting off the bid from uh, b sky b um but uh, the fourth episode i quite enjoyed i think it was the fourth or the third episode uh, which dealt with the arrival of arsene wenger mm. uh, at arsenal in 1996 and it was just a great quote from um, paul merson there because arsene wenger you know changed the whole routine the whole culture at arsenal obviously and sort of taught them how to eat uh, Paul Merson said uh, you had to chew your food until it was like soup in your mouth oh. and I thought what how can you chew your... I mean I know what the, the point is he yeah. did want them to eat properly and digest their food and yes. change their diet and all that you know sticking a meat pie in their mouth that was all out of the way um, but you'd have to have teeth like a, some sort of grinders. I don't know what teeth Paul Merson's got, <laughs> but you'd need to have mechanical teeth. Mm. Like, like those ones you sometimes use on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so they gr- grind whatever it is you're eating. Yeah. But I still don't think you would be eating it like it was soup. Uh, so what I'd like to say about Fever Pitch is there's lots of individual um, interviews and there's lots of sort mm. of footage, which is always fun to watch, mm. uh, including Les Ferdinand in bed with Paula Yates, you know, the thing they used to do. Oh, yes, the, uh, old, yeah, the yeah, big yeah, breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, we, we're going to have to go. Before know, we do, though, somebody sent, us, somebody sent us a clip. They said, put this in Clips of the Week. And uh, <laughs> I just, it's, I mean, I, we just wonder, I'm going to play it to you now. Is this representative of, of your fine overnight show? Let's have a listen. Let me tell you about um, something that's uh, that's uh, coming up on uh, on this show next week. Um, well, I would do, except I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Can we get more of the same? You think between one and six overnight? That, that, I, I, not representative, I have to say. No. I do try and do it as though it were a show on any any time of the day, if you like, because yeah. obviously over the world it is at different times of the day. But mm. that is definitely overnight. <laughs> I was definitely falling asleep at that. Um, and I wasn't in the studio, so nobody could nudge me. And because of the boxing, you're not overnight sunny, but just, just no, for tonight. What, yeah. For one night only. For one night only. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. We will catch up with you next week. Thanks very much. Cheers, Cheers Martin. <laughs> Martin Keller, there's Week of Sport on TV. We can actually head to the stadium. Hugh Woosencroft is there. He wasn't responsible for plugging in <laughs> his ISDM box and blowing the whole thing up. I don't think so, anyway. But he's watching the blaze from a distance. Hugh, it's, we just we couldn't quite, quite believe shocking. what we were seeing. And... Um, it is the broadcast gantry, isn't it? Absolutely, it is, guys. I'm sorry I couldn't speak to you earlier. I did come out onto the pitch, got about 20 metres away from where the, the fire was to capture some footage. But, um, yeah, we've had 10-foot-high flames. It looks like the television gantry has gone up on the other side of the pitch from where I am. Currently, there are firefighters putting it out. I can still see uh, burning embers across from me. There are now police here. We had people from the local football association, the FAF, UEFA as well, running around. Initially, the fire was being dealt with by, it seemed to be, stadium staff um, who put sprinklers on and turned them towards the television gantry. You know, it's a 4G picture, of course. Mm. And then we heard the sirens begin to come. The fire engines arrived Mm. no more than five minutes ago now, and they are right there across the pitch from me now, putting out the blaze. Whatever it is, and I can still see equipment boxes on fire up in the television gantry. 
and now the water hoses go on up. It's very close, I have to say, to an apartment. One side of the pitch here, there is no stand whatsoever. There's probably about a, a, a six-meter concrete wall, and just behind that are homes, apartments. Great view of the football, but very close this afternoon to a, a pretty serious fire. So I think the major concern was not letting those flames get any higher and towards those buildings. No. It's looking like they've got it under control looking it, from yeah, RTV. We're just seeing some You're going to have to carry Jim Proudfoot on your shoulders when he's well, doing I mean, the commentary. That's right. <laughs> just, he's, we're going to have to find him somewhere else. to. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, I'm sure you UEFA will have to look at this now because, you know, they can't broadcast from there. It's going to be out of a clean-up operation. They're going to have to build something else at, at short notice. So, Hugh, look, we'll keep in touch because I'm sure this is a bit of a developing story. But thanks for now. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, Hugh. OK, thank you, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Time then, look at some non-sporting TV in the company of Brighton supporting Mike Ward from the Star. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, guys. I just see uh, EastEnders. The papers are full of stories about EastEnders getting a bit of a kicking in the ratings. I mean, it's only a matter of time before Alfie Moon comes back and insists on having a only connect night in the Vic. Yes, yeah. is yeah. still on. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, apparently uh, uh, Victoria Corrin um, scored the highest ratings in that slot. Oh, yeah, really? well, yeah, okay. and Connect got much bigger figures than maybe East it's not so much that EastEnders is getting it wrong, mm. that she's getting it yeah, so well, right. That's, well, that's what I want. Maybe she'll be in EastEnders soon, and it'll be a win-win yeah. for all. Get out of my pub! I could see her saying that. She'd carry that. <laughs> I've got a recommendation for you before you go on. Have you seen Alma's Not Normal? Have I seen it? Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, a little bit of it. I, um, I liked what I saw. Yeah, you're yes, a fan. Pilot, well, I'm a massive fan. I've seen yeah. it a couple now. And the pilot won a BAFTA, which is very unusual. Yeah. And it's a sort of, you know, bit down northern version of flea market. Yeah. Flea, flea, flea market? Flea <laughs> bag. <laughs> Not flea market. What am I talking about? Yeah, you think of Albion market. Yeah. Uh, oh dear. There was a compliment in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I was basically saying it's good. I am yeah, sure. I think he's saying, players, yeah, I think he's saying it's good. Anyway, have I got news for you returns yeah. tonight? 60, um, series 62. I know wow. I always do that exaggerated thing where I say it's series 62 or something and it isn't for comic effect, but mm. it really is. Wow. Um, really? So it's, I do think that the, the, the ever-changing host thing has probably kept it fresh when otherwise mm. it might have gone a bit stale. I mean, it's had its down, it's had its sort of weak phases, I know, but um, uh, Stephen Mangan tonight, he's he's now in the, uh, uh, he's 13, on it, doing his 13th um, appearance as guest <laughs> host. the stats man of Have I yeah, Got News. Yeah, you've come like Motti of TV stats. <laughs> I don't know why anyone doesn't think this is interesting. He's up there with Martin Clunes, Jack D, Kirsty Young and David Mitchell. Oh, you, right. In, in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe Brand is in second place. Yes. Um, and I didn't know there was a league table for hosts of I Got there News. There is. For you. So, do you know what? Seriously, if you go on Wikipedia, it's all there. And yeah. I've been told it's 100% accurate by the people who know these things. And Stephen so, Mangan, has he grown a beard like Graham Potter, which means he's he's getting more of these and he's, he's <laughs> becoming more successful? I think I was looking at that beard the other day. I think he, that, I think he's neglecting it a wee bit now. It, you think so? like I, it. I told you, it's it's a desert island beard he's got. Yeah. He's, it's, it's, it's quite like he's going to be where, like he goes home at night and talks to Wilson, his basketball. It's that where, kind of beard. Where's he going? Going with it though, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Not Possibly. into the championship, that's he's, for sure. He's going full ZZ that's top. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Anyway, so that's tonight at nine o'clock. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, strictly, 
Um, and oh, you've, you, again, you've done runners and riders. You've given us the betting odds. Do you know what? When I do this, when I give you a lost list, it's basically thinly disguising the fact there isn't that much else on. Mm. So I basically put loads of really interesting stats instead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's movie night. Sorry, movie night. Movie week. Well, mm. night, because there's only one night. Yeah, I've, I've been watching because my wife likes it. Yeah, it's not, not my favourite, but you know, it's all Greg right. Greg Wise is the favourite to go by right. some distance. Mm. Um, he's, he's sort of ticked the dad dancing box um how are the not sure about dan walker either no. i don't think he's well, natural mover started oh, okay. or adam peaty still to got well i was gonna ask you about that the sports stars adam peaty is saying yeah. six to one to win it yeah um, at the moment yeah. He's, yeah, he's doing well um <clears throat> it's, it's always funny with the sports stars because there was a phase when you thought all the sports stars are going to do well um, and who was it? Uh, he got a bit hot last week. I know I'm not one to talk, but it looked like he'd actually been swimming. He was so sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just feels more comfortable if he just throws himself a bucket of water over himself yeah. before he starts. He just he psychs himself up in his, in his element that way. Yeah. So AJ is the favourite to win it. Yeah? AJ is the favourite to win it. Oh, she's um, very good. She is very good. Um, I think Rose Ailing Ellis from EastEnders is brilliant because obviously you know, she's definitely Yeah, watch out for Sarah Davis, though. She was very oh. good last week. She was, yeah, because she was favourite to go, I think. And then you'll, suddenly you'll get... she did something... 66 to 1 if you go for Sarah <laughs> I might, Davis. I might have a 60, bit of each way. 66 for... Well, Andy's going to clean up on Strictly. It's his best bet ever. Please gamble responsibly. Um, anyway, uh, Sunday night, a yes. new series. Uh, our old mate Bradley Walsh, yeah. uh, Joanna Scanlon, uh, Mar and Pa Larkin. They're yeah. playing. It's the new series. So it's yeah. The, obviously, mm. you know, previously we knew it as the Darling Buds and May. Mm. Um, um, David Jason. It was. It was. Uh, this is being done by Simon Nye, who's obviously uh, very adept at kind of you know adapting these things. He did the Darrells, which was a great success uh, for Keely Hawes. Um, I did men behaving badly all those years ago. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, Bradley Walsh, Joanna Scanlon, um, and it's it's very much as you'd expect. It's one. Of, it's a bit like when you watched Bradley Walsh on Blankety Blank last week. You think, yes, this is exactly. You could have sort of almost visualised the whole thing in your head before switching the telly on. You know, it's very comfortable and it's got that. that it hits just the right tone of sort of nostalgic Sunday night, sort of warm glow. Just you know, slightly not a real world you're looking at, but quite cosy <clears> and comfortable viewing nonetheless. Okay. Yeah, uh, the denouement is typical Simon. The end is nice. The end is <laughs> the, the end. There he is, and he has to get one of those in. Uh, just very quickly. That's very good. Joanne Froggett um, is a yeah. new drama. Angela Black, BBC One, on yeah. at straight, nine o'clock. Straight afterwards on Sunday night on ITV. Um, I put BBC One. I don't know why. That's just wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry. It's, it's ITV. She never plays a very cheerful character. She plays somebody in every drama who's sort of quite cheerful for about seven minutes into the, in the first episode, and then everything goes catastrophically wrong. She's married to an absolute violent brute in this one. Yeah. She decides she wants to leave him. But the consequences of that decision look to be potentially quite horrific. And it's written by the guys who wrote The Missing and Liar that she was in as well. So you just know there's going to be zillions of plot twists and what have you. But it's it's very absorbing stuff. It's well worth a look. OK. Angela Ray, ITV, 9 o'clock on Sunday. Cheers, Mike. We'll catch you next Thanks, week. Mike. Cheers, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again on Monday, pouring over the internationals. Um, so, Andy, yes, uh, that's it. We're Good. done. Fantastic. I can't wait. The um, podcast, of course, uh, is uh, available uh, around the same sort of time on Monday if, if you're unable to listen live. But for now, have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 